All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss... Well, not really excited. We're going to change that for a little bit here. I am here to discuss the Denver Nuggets loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder, final score 101 to 99. The Denver Nuggets in this game, uh, they missed 16 free throws. They did not have Nikola Jokic. They did not have Michael Porter. And they nearly won the game. It was very close at the end. It came down to the final two plays where OKC executed really well. Shea Gilgis-Alexander made a great move at the end of the game to get free of Eric Gordon. And Jamal Murray made a good move himself to create a basket opportunity for himself. And the shot just fell short. That's what happens. Sometimes those are the breaks. The Nuggets have run so hot in clutch time so far this year that I'm not really surprised that they had a game that kind of came back to bite them where a shot misses at the end. That's okay. Denver's going to have that happen every now and then. And it's good to be reminded that you're mortal, honestly. And Denver, in this, they were reminded that they were mortal. Missing 16 free throws, that is going to always kill you. It's very rare that without your first, uh, your third, maybe your third or fourth best player or so, without those guys at the ship, it's really hard to beat a team that is as healthy as OKC is. They haven't had Chet Holmgren for the entire year, but obviously they have Shea, obviously they have Giddy, they had Dort, Jalen Williams, they had everybody that they really needed, and it's pretty clear that they're a good team now. So it's no shame to lose to this team without Jokic, without MPJ. And then you look around the rest of the Western Conference and everybody else is losing too. So I will not be losing sleep over this game. I don't think that anybody else should either. Denver Nuggets fans take solace in the fact that the streak was going to end at some point and it ended in this particular circumstance where Denver clearly could have won. There's no doubt about it that they could have won this game. And we'll talk about why. In these segments, we're going to talk about the starters in the first segment, the bench in the second segment, and then kind of fast forward to what the road trip is going to look like next week in the third segment. There are some things we have to go over for sure. But first, let's start with Jamal Murray, who was good in this game, was very, very good, especially early when the Nuggets needed something, anything to go right. Denver started this game losing at a deficit of 18-8, to if I'm not mistaken. They were down immediately. They had to fight back. OKC was basically ahead for the entire game. And there were brief stretches where Denver pulled in front only to be uh, going back behind at, at various points. But it certainly felt to me like the Nuggets were on an upward climb for the entirety of this game. And Jamal Murray was the only reason that it was a game in the first place. Had a great, great game. And a lot of the moves that he made were really, really impressive. The up and unders, the post moves, the step backs, the step throughs. There's a lot of technical stuff that Jamal Murray did really well tonight. He also had a really nice dunk in transition at the beginning of this game that I think reminds you that it isn't just technical stuff with Jamal. He's getting back the athleticism too. He had a nice reverse layup going around Lugans Dort, avoiding the defender at the rim and laying it up cleanly on the other side in that second half. There was a lot to like. He made his only three 
towards the very end of the game. I think it was like with one 140 left in the game to cut the deficit to one. Very reminiscent of the shot that KCP hit against the Minnesota Timberwolves, if I'm, or maybe no, it was the Orlando Magic, where Denver might have pulled it out. They were very, very close. The clutch defense from this group was really good once again. And it didn't work out this time. Jamal had a shot at the end to win it where they ran a play with a ghost a ghost screen uh, for KCP and Jamal. If they were switching, KCP if or if they screwed up the switch, KCP was going to get an open three on the left wing. If they switched, Denver would have had Jamal guarded by SGA, a matchup that they went at pretty consistently, and Jamal had some success with, which was pretty cool. Instead, they didn't switch and they didn't screw up anything, so Dort was on Jamal at the end. Jamal makes a move with about three seconds left, gets uh, Dort off of his feet, and nearly makes the... I mean, he was on line with the jumper, I'm pretty sure, just kind of... He was falling away a little bit, and he was on his way down when he actually did release that ball, so not really surprised it ended up short. He was also... 38 minutes in this game, 26 shots. He was tired, and I have to imagine for a reason. So it is what it is. I'm not really frustrated about it. You put the ball in your best player's hands at the end of the game, and tonight that was Jamal. Tonight uh, without Joker, without – I mean, MPJ is not going to get in that situation, but without Nicola out there, it's important to just generate a shot. And Denver got a good one. Could they have gotten a better one? Maybe. Uh I like what they did, though. It's fine. It's not a not a big deal. Uh, but overall, Jamal over the course of these last 10 games has been fantastic. I think the numbers are 21.6 points, 5.8 assists, 5.1 rebounds, 48% from the field, 46% from three, 91% from the line. I think that's what he's done over the course of these last 10 games, which have included nine home games and the one road win being the LA Clippers game. So impressive stuff from Jamal, and he has really leveled up to the point where he's just back. There's no questioning what he's doing anymore. There's no questioning just to the degree of, of like what he, what he has done so far. I think that the first five games that he had this year, I posted this on Twitter, I think either yesterday or the day before, uh, the first five games of the season were before he played 30 minutes. Ever since then, he's been great. He's been exactly what the Nuggets have needed him to be, and I haven't had any questions or concerns about who he has been. So really excited. It's up to about 19 a game on the year, shooting relatively efficiently. It's good stuff from Jamal. Aaron Gordon, not a good game. Not a good game, and this is where we can really kick off the free throw struggles. Jamal went three of four from the line. He missed a free throw, and he lamented that, uh, but he was not the culprit here. Aaron Gordon missed seven free throws tonight. He has now dropped to 62% at the free throw line. And despite the fact that he has had a, a borderline all-star caliber season, definitely possible that he still makes it. Definitely possible that uh, based off of the injury stuff and everything that's going on, Lots of other guys, like there there may be some dropouts here. AG might be Denver's second representative at the All-Star game. But if there's one weakness to his game right now, it's not the three, it's not the handling, it's not 
the defense or the rebounding or anything like that. It really is just the free throws. He may be Denver, like one of Denver's most complete players from a skill perspective where he has just about everything that you want for him to have. He can create off the dribble for himself and others. He has good shot selection. He has great understanding of one through five and being able to execute various schemes. It's been really, really good for Denver this year. But he missed seven free throws tonight. And Denver lost by two. And that is going to be a thing that I think is going to at least stick with him for a little bit. Uh, He's just got to be better. And the fact is, is he's missing these at home too. Like It's not like it's just a road thing where he's in a hostile environment. I think he's actually been really bad at home, and uh, at least from the strike. And that's a problem. And that's going to be something that Denver runs into in a playoff series when teams are going to try to figure out ways to stop Aaron Gordon or slow him down. And maybe the best way to do it is to not let him get a shot off, and it's just to foul him. So if it becomes a hack at Aaron Gordon kind of thing, that's bad. It's a really bad situation, and Denver can't let that happen to him. So he went 4 of 15 from the field tonight. Not an efficient shot uh, shooting night for him. Missed a lot of shots at the rim because OKC's defense at the rim was pretty good, despite the fact that they were undermanned or, or undersized. And yet, Aaron Gordon still has to finish some of these shots. Like, if he goes 5 of 15, Denver probably wins. If he goes 6 of 15, Denver definitely wins. He has to be better. And that could be a, that was a real margin for Denver tonight, where they needed that and just didn't really get it. Bruce Brown started in place of Michael Porter tonight, and I thought he played pretty well on both ends of the floor. There were some good things to note. Uh, had some good moments slowing down Josh Giddy. Had some good moments matching up with Lou Dort. Most of the time, he was... Like oh, He looked a little bit small going up against Giddy, but found ways to be impactful, found ways to turn him over. And on the offensive side of the floor, he was really the main guy who stepped up in place of Nikola Jokic. I thought that everybody else was a little bit tentative. Aaron Gordon wasn't necessarily good. But Bruce Brown tonight, 14 points on 13 shots, 2 of 5 from 3. But he, again, 0 of 2 from the free throw line. And that's just going to be something to monitor for Denver. As we go forward, I'm pretty sure that Denver is 27th now in free throw percentage. That's a losing proposition, and it's going to come back to haunt them at some point. But two steals, two assists, seven rebounds. He filled in and did his job. I think that Denver could have won this game, and Bruce Brown was a big part of it. He may have been the second best starter tonight, so give him credit where where credit is due. He was what he needed to be. Zeke Naji started in place of Nikola Jokic. So much like Bruce Brown, Zeke has a lot of has big shoes to fill in this case. And I thought that Zeke filled them well tonight. Filled them differently tonight. But OKC scored just 101. And the reason for that uh, was twofold. One, it was just really great effort and execution of the scheme for all of Denver starters especially. But I thought the bench even had some good moments too. But the majority of it was the starters. And it was the way that they played and switched with Zeke Naji out there. I've made note of this before. The Murray, KCP, Porter, Gordon, Naji lineup is maybe their most switchable unit because of Porter's uh, ability to go up and down and 
Bruce Brown is even more switchable than Michael Porter. So they found a really interesting lineup here without without MPJ and Yoke, where you played an interesting style. OKC was able to go on one-on-one in this case. Shea, Giddy, uh, those guys did some good things in this matchup, but it was very heavily focused on isolation, and it really slowed down OKC's offense in general, that as long as Denver wasn't going to foul, and they did sometimes, and that was an issue, but no real foul trouble here, as long as they avoided fouls and gave up like shots at the requisite rate, it was going to be fine. And they limited the number of threes that OKC attempted. They limited the number of free throws that OKC attempted. The problem with Zeke out there, uh, because he's switching so much, he's on the perimeter. So he did a much better job tonight of grabbing defensive rebounds. And yet, there were still plenty of opportunities for OKC, whether it's Aaron Wiggins off the bench or Lou Dort or Giddy or Mike Muscala. All of those guys found a way to impact the game on the offensive glass. OKC out-rebounded Denver 50-42 to tonight, and it wasn't because of the shooting splits. It was purely hustle stuff. It was purely uh, boxing out and making an impact and finding ways to outplay Denver on the interior. And OKC has a much more... Uh, they, they have a much more consistent time doing that. Because Denver is always like they're always around Jokic and Porter, so they have the size that it doesn't really matter. But when you take away the size and you have to go purely hustle and technique and things like that, I think that OKC, they know where their bread is buttered. They know how to do this against a team like Denver going into a place like the Mile High City and stealing extra possessions. That's definitely something that. Denver has had to worry about going forward, but or maybe when they play small in the playoffs, this is something that a team like Golden State could definitely exploit when they go small. But when Denver goes small, they can't get trapped into not boxing out, not hustling, not having several players going to the rebound. I thought that they were caught looking tonight, but I'm I'm tangenting here. Zeke Naji had 10 rebounds. The rebounding really wasn't on him specifically. I thought if if there were candidates to be criticized here, Jeff Green, Vlaco Chanchar, Bones Highland each grabbed zero. Everybody else on the team grabbed at least four. So if we're talking about where this actually is, it's with the bench. But starters were pretty good in general in that regard because they are focused and because they are veterans and, and like very locked in on that. But Zeke specifically, really good game, switched on to Shea, got cooked a couple times, blocked him once, uh, just had a really, really impressive switching profile, whether it was going up against Shea or Giddy or Dort or Isaiah Joe or Trey Mann or basically anybody that OKC threw at him. That's the good thing about Zeke Naji. He can guard anybody. And if you put him in that situation and allow him to flourish, he will. So good stuff from Zeke tonight. He deserves credit. Uh, And 10 rebounds is big. He had the clutch free throws and he had a clutch three. Deserves a lot of credit for that. And finally, with the starters, KCP, not a notable night statistically for him. He did get two steals, 10 points, four rebounds, one assist, had a key 
three-pointer in the fourth quarter. Not necessarily anything major that really sticks out with him tonight. I wish he would have put on a more solid screen than just a ghost screen with uh, the last play of the game. But I understand why Denver ran a ghost screen. You do not want to get an illegal screening foul in that situation. And they probably wouldn't have switched it anyway. Or they would have just trapped Jamal. And they would have tried to get the ball out of his hands. So interesting way to play it. Interesting way to do it. But uh, KCP I thought was fine tonight. Not necessarily an issue at all. I thought the starters overall were decent. AG was not good uh, in terms of just his overall efficiency, but thought the starters were good, and they really locked in at the end defensively. OKC, OKC scored just 20 points in that fourth quarter and just seven points in the final six minutes. Like It was a really good defensive performance for Denver. They just didn't really have enough offense to go with Jamal. So it is what it is. Tough loss. Uh, but the starters were fine in place of Nicole Jokic and Michael Porter's absence. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench and, and some, some curious things that happened tonight. But first, add this to your New Year's resolutions. Win money in 2023 with our friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook is over three decades of sports wagering experience in Las Vegas, and you'll get the best odds anywhere as we have now finished up the NFL Divisional Round, and we'll move into the Championship Round. Just final four, final four teams here in the AFC and the NFC. It should be very interesting to see how it plays out. And you can bet on it anywhere. Plus, check out their special odds boosts and promotions at Superbook.com. Make 2023 the year where you win money from Vegas. Download the Superbook Sports app now and place your bets. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Hi, we're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's now focus in on the bench group that played tonight. There wasn't ever really a consistent unit that Denver used. I did the rotation chart for tonight, and there was a, a bench unit that, like, Denver used a couple of different groups. The main one being Bones, Jamal, Christian Brown, Vlaco Chanchar, Jeff Green. That ended the first and the third quarters. To begin the second quarter, Denver used KCP in place of Jamal and went Bones, KCP, Christian Brown, Vlaco Chanchar, Jeff Green. And in the fourth quarter, they used a slightly different group. They took out Vlaco and they put in Bruce and Aaron Gordon. So they ran Bones, Bruce, Christian Brown, A.G., Jeff Green. I thought it was interesting. I thought Denver yielded some different combinations and then there were some interesting plays and uh, lots of data to really get into on this. But in the end, the most important thing for this is that Jeff Green was a minus four. Vlaco Chanchar was a net neutral. Bowens Highland was a minus one. Christian Brown was a minus two. If we're really talking about it, nobody on the team was a minus four like or, or lower. Like everybody, everybody was at least a minus four or lower. Jamal was a minus four. He played 38 minutes. Jeff Green was a minus four. Bruce Brown led the team with a plus four in the plus minus category. Zeke Naji, the only other guy in the plus. But because it is so narrow, it's hard to take the plus minus with this. There wasn't a, a singular 
character in this game that you can really pick that stands out, but I'm going to try. And we're really going to focus it on Bones. Uh, Bones was... Bones was not good. Bones was, in his minutes, a major detriment to what the Nuggets were trying to do on the defensive end of the floor. And offensively, it is what it is. Sometimes the shot doesn't drop. Sometimes when you go ISO, the possession doesn't work out. I'm not really ever going to malign him for that. I thought his offensive process tonight was honestly fine. I think Denver wanted him to isolate in some situations. He created some shots for others when he was on the ball. Christian Brown, nice back cut. Uh, Jeff Green had a pass to him in transition for a nice dunk. Or maybe it was a, maybe it was a layup. It doesn't matter, but... Bones had three assists in his 11 minutes and just one turnover. He had a steal. It was a nice deflection that led to a play on the other end. So he did make some plays and it wasn't like it was just completely uh, bad. But there were moments tonight where you just scratch your head. You just wonder what the heck is going on. And Denver needed him tonight. They only scored 99 points. And everybody outside of Jamal clearly struggled creating off the dribble for themselves. And Bones was supposed to be the guy in this situation that you turn to, where you need somebody outside of Michael Porter, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray. Those first two, obviously not here. Jamal playing 38 minutes and taking on the reins and had 26-9 and only one turnover. Bones is the guy that you look to. And this is part of the development, right? This is part of what you're hoping that he turns himself into in the moments where he can step up. Tonight, he didn't step up. Tonight, things did not work for him, whether it was due to the finger. And I I want to make that clear. He was questionable with his left finger sprain heading into the game tonight and didn't know if he was going to play. He was ultimately available. It didn't look like the finger was bothering him, honestly. I thought that he was playing fine. I thought that. He was driving to the rim on a couple of occasions. He took his normal threes on a couple of occasions. The problem, and the one play that sticks out in my mind over others, is the play that he had in the first half that got him benched, where he drives to the rim in isolation, uh, botches the layup. Just It was an open layup that he missed, clearly frustrated with his own play. But got in his own feelings on it and took way too long to get back down the line, down to the other end of the floor. Denver's transition defense was good. They stopped what the OKC Thunder were initially going to do. Bones found himself, he sauntered up to Josh Giddy, who then cut right in front of his face, got the pass and made the shot. And on the very next opportunity that he could, David Adelman pulled him. David Adelman pulled Bones. And he only played, I think, five minutes in the in the second half. So, look, uh, Bones left the floor at the nine. Like he was sitting on the bench at the nine forty-five to nine thirty mark. At some point during that time, he got up off the bench and went back to the locker room. Uh, he had put his uh, warm up back on with the hood and was looking down, very down on himself. And went back to the locker room and never emerged again. And I got to tell you, it's that really frustrates me. If, if I was a teammate of Bones, I would be really frustrated because he made it about him. And I know that he was having a bad game. I know that he is very focused 
on trying to be the best version of himself and helping the team. He wants to help the team win. That's all he wants. And I get that. But he made it about himself at that moment by going back to the locker room. And they talked about uh, David Adelman said something about how he went back to the locker room and was getting treatment, didn't really know what, what it was about or if there was anything that uh, was precluding him from coming back. But he basically had said that he wasn't – like Bones wasn't going to come back into the game anyway after that point. And they were just going to ride with the rotation that they had, the starters obviously. I think he was protecting Bones and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he probably didn't know that Bones was going to go back to the locker room anyway and found out about it later. And it is what it is. It is what it is. Bones clearly very frustrated about what was going on, but he has to keep it together because Jamal Murray rolls an ankle and can't continue and you need somebody else who can create. What else are you going to do? You definitely would have turned to Bones in that situation, or maybe you wouldn't have. But having the option is the most important thing, and Bones just, he's got to be better than that. It is immature in my mind, and I could be wrong. Look, I'm open and willing to believe that there was something that was bothering him physically that he was getting treatment on, and that's something that he needed to have taken care of, and it couldn't wait until then. I'm willing to accept that that is a possibility. I just don't really believe it right now. So Denver's going on a road trip, and they have three very important games where they need Bones Highland. Last game against the New Orleans Pelicans, Bones got shown up by Jose Alvarado and just complete like he was removed. He was benched during that game. So there is a lot riding with Bones Highland over the course of these next few games. Philly where he had his big game last year, that is on Saturday. That is going to be a big deal. He's probably going to invite a whole bunch of people to that game. So he needs to be good. He needs to be, he needs to get back on track. There's definitely some part of me that wonders where his head is at right now, but he needs to get back on track for sure. Christian Brown, uh, 22 minutes in his game. He he replaced Michael Porter in the rotation with Bruce Brown elevating into the starting unit. Christian Brown had 22 minutes and played really well. Uh, I liked what Christian Brown did. He continuously moves off ball. He makes himself available in situations where uh, his teammates, his ball handlers are trying to, the playmakers on the team are trying to create. And the best way is to not just stand still. If you are an off-ball player, you have to find opportunities within that to make yourself available to that ball handler. And he did it for Jamal. He did it for Bones. He did it for uh, Bruce Brown. He did it for all of those guys where they were creating and Christian Brown was cutting. And that was such a big, big deal. 10 points, 4 of 7 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, 1 of 1 from the line. Six rebounds, including two offensive, is great in his 22 minutes, and three assists and two blocks is really great too. You like to see the production. You like to see the ball moving a little bit and him making a difference, and that was very, very nice to see. I, I got to tell you, like I would love to see Christian Brown playing more. There's no doubt about that, but when everybody is healthy, it's really hard to find the time. So I hope that Denver continues to get creative with how they find time for Christian Brown because they're going to need the dude. They're going to need him. And if anybody gets hurt, 
he's going to have to step up, especially in the backcourt, whether it's Jamal, Bones, Bruce Brown, KCP, uh, Michael Porter. There's a lot of candidates for him to be elevated into, into the rotation if any of those guys go down. Jeff Green, I thought, played pretty well tonight. Uh, well, actually, let me let me scratch that. I thought he played pretty well on offense. Uh, five of seven from the field, one of one from three, made a key three when Jamal really had nowhere to go in the middle of the floor. He kind of lobbed the pass over to Jeff Green in the corner, and Jeff hit a shot that was pretty contested. It was the only three that he did hit. I put the zero rebounds there because that's one of Jeff Green's weaknesses, and he is the center. And OKC grabbed a whole bunch of offensive rebounds while he was on the floor. Kenrich Williams, Isaiah Joe, Aaron Wiggins, eight offensive rebounds combined for OKC. They won the offensive rebounding battle. They won it 50 to 42. And that was probably the difference in the game outside of the free throw shooting. So control the things that you can control. Jeff has got to be better on the glass. There's no doubt about it. I know he's probably not looking to throw around his body when it comes to that hand, when it comes to dealing with the injury that he came back with. But I do think that Denver's got to hope that he is better going forward on the glass because I liked various aspects of the Vlaco chanchar jeff Green combination tonight. Not everything. I thought that uh, – I'll get to Vlaco in a bit, but there was definitely some stuff where Jeff Green got switched out into cases and could not guard Shea, could not really defend and match up with any of the athletic – OKC players that were out there, but uh, it is what it is. Like Jeff, in my mind, is one of those guys, they're still trying to figure out what to do with him, and they may decide to play Vlaco over him. They may not. I'm very curious to see what they ultimately go with, but in my mind, Jeff Green is probably going to be a rotation player ahead of Vlaco. He'll play next to Zeke Naji, and that's the rotation that Denver's probably going to go with until at least the trade deadline. So, we're going to see. We're going to see what happens when Nicola is back healthy and they can really get this rotation back into uh, into focus here. But I'm hoping that Jeff continues to improve because he's got to be a better rebounder. If he's going to be on the floor with Zeke Naji and Zeke is going to focus on boxing out the opposing team center, Jeff has got to be taking advantage of that. And finally... I didn't want to do it to him, but I had to. Flacco Chanchar, he had the old zero game, 10 minutes, and had zeros across the board, including his plus minus. That actually was pretty funny to look at. 10 points, or 10 minutes, zero shots, zero threes, zero free throws, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks, zero turnovers, zero fouls, and a plus minus of zero. That is... Clear cardio. Like he, he moved the ball, passed the ball around to guys at various points, but it is just like Aaron Gordon played 38 minutes tonight. He played the other 38 minutes of power forward. Vlaco played 10 of them, but Vlaco's just got to be more productive than this. There's no doubt about it. When you're talking about what Denver could really use in that situation, they could use somebody who creates a little bit more. Jeff was a little bit more involved in the pick and roll. And that's probably why you see his field goals number, uh, Jeff's at five of seven from the field, a little bit higher. And it would be a little bit more distributed had it been different. But Denver, if they're going to play Vlaco, they've got to involve him at least just a little bit. It's like 
Can't have the cardio game. Come on now. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to focus in on the road trip that is upcoming for Denver. Three-game road trip, very quick, but they get a little bit of rest too. We'll be right back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Final segment. I know it's tough, but as I made sure to note on the bottom of the screen here, if you're watching the YouTube clip, the Nuggets are still the first seed in the Western Conference. They actually are the first seed by a game and a half. It's not that Memphis caught up with them. Memphis has lost now two in a row, and they lost to the uh, to the Phoenix Suns, who were reeling at one point, and now. They've got Chris Paul back. They've got Cam Johnson back. Phoenix looks a little bit better. It's a little bit more coherent than they did the last time around. So we will see if Phoenix kind of bounces back a little bit. It would not surprise me if they end up being the team that Denver faces in a first-round series, which I know Nuggets fans would have mixed feelings about. There would be a lot of yes, revenge kind of feelings, and there would be, oh no, this could be a bad matchup kind of feelings. So Keep that in mind. But in general, the, like the rest of the West, you look down at it. I, I wanted to just check in and make sure that Denver wasn't having anybody catch them. No, not even close. Memphis, still a game and a half back. Sacramento is six games. New Orleans is seven games. There's just nothing to really worry about. Uh, Dallas is eight and a half back. The Clippers are nine back. Phoenix is nine and a half. Golden State is officially 10 games back at the 10 seed. That is crazy. That's just insane. And I'm glad that we don't have to really worry about the Golden State Warriors right now. So Denver's going to finish as a top two seed. I feel pretty confident about that as long as they don't go on a weird, uh, in a weird situation over the course of these next few games. But I got to be honest, I think it's possible that Denver does get some weird stuff going down. The next three games on the schedule, they will travel to New Orleans tomorrow, or today, Monday. I'm recording this now. It's 12.13 a.m. They will go to New Orleans on Monday at some point. They will play on Tuesday night, and then they will take a flight that is 1,000 miles up to Milwaukee for a Wednesday game. They'll get two days off at one point during that. Maybe it will be... Uh, that Thursday, maybe they will fly to, they'll probably sleep in Milwaukee and fly to Philly on Thursday. And they'll spend the day in Philly just uh, hanging out, chilling, trying to relax a little bit after the back-to-back. And then Friday, they will have a little bit more of a focused day before a Saturday afternoon game against the Philadelphia 76ers on Rivalry Week. And So this is rivalry week. This is Denver's main rivalry game. Uh, Nuggets versus Sixers, Jokic versus Embiid. Jokic will play in that game, I have no doubts. They're not going to sit him unless he aggravates a hamstring that that he's already dealing with right now. Uh, He'll probably come back, whether it's on against New Orleans or Milwaukee. He'll come back for one of the two or both before he plays. I feel pretty confident in saying that. his status for the trip. We're going to see what it looks like. Um, Denver has been very cautious with him. 
they have wanted to refrain from any possible uh, nagging injuries that continue to be re-aggravated. A soft tissue injury like a left hamstring is bad. You do not want to mess with that at all because the last thing you want to do is pull the damn thing and then it becomes a six-week injury. That happened to P.J. Dozier for Denver back in the 2020-21 season, and it really derailed his season. He could not get back into a rhythm after that point. And it's just one of those things where if that does happen, then Denver's in trouble. If they lose Nikola Jokic for four to six weeks, I know that they found a way to win against the Indiana Pacers without Tyrese Halliburton, but they lost to the OKC Thunder at home. Uh, That was without Porter, obviously, but everybody else was good. And Denver's, like, if, if they lose, if they didn't have him, that would be horrible. So the hope is that he comes back, is that he's always in a situation where you don't have to worry about that, and that he will be back and healthy and ready to go by Saturday, for sure. Uh, if he sits the back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday, I guess I wouldn't be surprised, but so I kind of would be surprised. I think he is, I just don't see him missing both of those. So New Orleans, kind of reeling a little bit. They aren't getting Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson back for that game, I don't believe. But Milwaukee is going to get back Giannis and Chris Middleton. They've been made probable on the injury report for Monday's game. So they will play, and then they will likely play again on Wednesday. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. So you're going to want to have Jokic available, Aaron Gordon available, Michael Porter available. But if Jokic isn't available, that would be no change things. Now, Michael Porter, we're going to see. We're going to see what that ultimately looks like. If you don't know about the news, uh, Michael Porter did not play on Sunday night's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder due to personal reasons. And those personal reasons, it was later reported by the Denver Post that uh, his younger brother, Coben Porter, uh, was in a is in an accident. He was in a two vehicle accident at like two o'clock in the morning last night, and it was one where the I believe the opposing driver was killed, but it might have been a pedestrian. Um, either way, Coben Porter was involved in that, and he was arrested for various charges that lead you to believe that something was bad and something was wrong and something like it was a like he potentially killed a person. So it's a really delicate situation. I do not want to I want to stress that first and foremost that Michael Porter's uh mental well being during this and being able to be there to support his brother Coben, the most important thing in all of this. So if it hurts the Nuggets, so be it. That's not a that's not a thing that anybody should be really concerned about right now. What is most concerning is that uh I don't I don't know what Michael is going to look like when he does come back and, and they're like you may not have him for a week, for a game. He might be on the road trip going to New Orleans tomorrow. Like there's there's a possibility for all of these things. We don't know what this is going to look like. This is a very nuanced and delicate situation that Denver has to navigate. 
that Michael has to navigate. So I do not envy him. I, I mean, obviously, God, it's just, it seems so horrible uh, to be in that situation where you don't know what's going to happen with your brother, the, the person that you love. So I'm wishing all the best to the Porter family, wishing all the best to everybody involved. I, I hope that I know that this is just an awful situation and Denver hasn't had to navigate anything like this or the Porter family hasn't had to navigate anything like this before. And so hopefully everybody pulls through and uh, yeah, it's just, it's just very, very sad in general. So wishing the best of the Porters, wishing the best to Coben and Michael. Uh, we will see what happens with Porter on this upcoming road trip, but I can't make any promises one way or the other. Uh, he wasn't made available. We weren't really encouraged to ask about the situation either. So everything is still kind of like they're trying to figure out stuff in general. So once Porter comes back, then maybe we'll get a better picture on the situation. But hopefully Michael Malone will be healthy and ready to go on the trip. It sounds like he will make the trip to New Orleans tomorrow. Hopefully the rest of the Nuggets are in good spirits, can continue to bounce back from this particular loss that they faced. Look, Denver is in a situation where the next three games could be a 3-0 or an 0-3 stretch. Uh, I don't know what to predict here. I think that Denver should be able to take care of the Pelicans, even without Nikola Jokic, but it wouldn't surprise me if they just don't travel that well and Denver's in a situation where a team like New Orleans could really bother them. It wouldn't surprise me if they travel on the second night of a back-to-back to Milwaukee and get blown out, or they go to a motivated team in Philly and just... Like they, they can't hang in that situation if they don't have maybe their full firepower or if they're just not in the right position to be able to win. So we're going to see what it looks like. I, If I had to predict it right now, I would say that Denver goes one and two on this road trip. Everybody will be like, oh man, the sky is falling. And yet they'll be one and two on the road trip and it's not going to be that big of a deal. Whether they win the... Whether they like they could win any of those games. If they go three and that would be spectacular. I, I wouldn't really even know what to think. But if they go one and two, it is what it is. If they go 0-3, that's bad. Denver is now having to make decisions on the trade deadline here relatively soon. They are two weeks out. And I am very curious to see what Denver does, but the next week should go a long way in determining what Denver decides to do heading into trade deadline season. All right. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, everybody. Brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. The week was a success for the Pickaxe and Roll pod on the Mile High Sports channel. Make sure to go give a like to this video on the YouTube side. Make sure to go subscribe to the Mile High Sports channel. We're continuing to grow that. I have an article on milehighsports.com that you should go check out. And I should have another article on Monday morning, depending on how the rest of this night goes. Should be fun. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Even after a loss, really appreciate all the love and support. Talk to you guys next week.